Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The New Testament is the most marvelous book, tremendous composition, yet it is mysterious and beyond our natural comprehension as well. One perplexity is that it gives us four different accounts of the life of Jesus, Why? Four different accounts of one history. Well, that's because each account highlights a different aspect or facet of this most wonderful and marvelous person in the universe, Jesus Christ. What facet do we see in the Gospel of Luke? Well, Luke, more than all of the rest of the books in the Bible, shows us Jesus Christ as the full, complete, perfect, and genuine man, a man unlike any other. We're happy to welcome Francis Ball back to our program and the first time we've had a chance to be together in this new life study from the Gospel of Luke. Welcome, Francis. Looking forward to this study in the Gospel of Luke, a marvelous portrait of a wonderful person. People often wonder, Francis, we alluded to this uh, just now, why does the Bible contain four Gospels? They all seemingly present uh, the same historical account, uh, but there are differences in each of them, as we know. Each of the Gospels presents a different aspect of Christ, and Luke's focus is to uniquely present him as the man-savior. Let's review this a little bit before we get into our message today, because it's a critical point, isn't it? Well, it really is. It's very helpful to see these different emphasis of these four biographies of one wonderful person. We all know the order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, of course, is what's known as the king-savior. Right. He's the one who is presented here in a dispensational setting. The things brought out in Matthew's gospel are related to the dispensational progression, you might say, of history. The main theme in his gospel is the kingdom. You have the kingdom of the heavens, which is now the church life. And you have the kingdom in its appearance, which is just Christianity as a whole, is the appearance of the kingdom of God. Then you have the kingdom in its full manifestation, which is presented in chapter 24 and 25 of Matthew. It presents the manifestation of the kingdom. But uh, for us, the real believers in Christ, now is the time of the reality of the kingdom, where the things that are real are lived out through us. And he's presented, Christ is presented here as the king savior. And we just know him as the king of our life. Right. Not only he's our Lord, our Savior, and our rest and our peace and our enjoyment, but he's our king. So we should realize that we're really the kingdom people living under the king. And then, of course, Mark, the next gospel, is uh, mainly on the matter of his service, his service to mankind. He's called the slave savior. He served God and he served man. Right. He came to be the servant. 
and not only a servant in the sense of just doing what he's being paid to do, but he's really a slave. The Lord Jesus Christ became a slave. So we have a lot of things in Mark to show how he serves. And then the gospel we're in now is Luke, where he's the man-savior, the highest standard of humanity. Even beyond humanity, you have divinity lived out in this man. And we'll see a lot of that during these life studies. And then, of course, most people are better acquainted with the Gospel of John, where he's the God-Savior. There he's the Word, he's God himself, and he's uh, manifested there and being a God-man. So we're seeing the man side today, but we have the wonderful Gospel of John to show the God side. So we really thank the Lord for this, these four Gospels. I think it's wonderful, Chris, that we could have a view of these Gospels in this way, that it doesn't confuse us. It really enlightens us. And we know the different aspects of Christ Jesus, who's the most wonderful person in the whole universe or ever could be. Right. Francis, it helps a lot to have this view. Of course, some of the skeptics of the Bible point out what they claim are inconsistencies between the four Gospels and different accounts of the same story. But actually, when we have this kind of divine perspective, there's no inconsistencies. These Gospels are presented with a different perspective and a different point of emphasis, as you've just pointed out. And we see in this Gospel of Luke, I think it will be unfolded in such a marvelous way. I'm really looking forward to, uh, as we have a chance to explore all these well-known Bible stories, but to see them in a very fresh uh, illumination as we get in these life study messages. Very enlightening. Uh, Today's no exception. We're going to um, look at one of the gospel stories in Luke that is well known. We'll come back to it uh, as we get more into our life study uh, down the road, but he is going to use it today to illustrate a point that touches something you brought out in your introduction about this man-savior and the kind of humanity, the level of humanity, the highest humanity, the highest morality, because it was really the divine life being lived out. The story we're going to use as an example of this today is uh, found in chapter 10 of Luke, and it's the well-known story of the Good Samaritan. Let me read a couple of these verses just to refresh our listeners. At verse 30, beginning there, it says, Jesus, taking up the question, said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who, having both stripped him and beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. And by coincidence, a certain priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. And likewise, also a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the opposite side. But a certain Samaritan who was journeying came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. And he came to him and bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine on them and placed him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever you spend in addition to this, when I return, I will repay you. Well, Francis, we think we know what this story is about. Why don't we really find out today? The parable of the Good Samaritan in chapter 10. The Good Samaritan really refers to the Savior himself because he was despised as a kind of Samaritan. So he referred to himself as a Good Samaritan. And you know that parable. Right, a fallen man got wounded, and he was left alone, and he was dying there. Then a Levite came, and a priest came. They didn't do anything. 
they all went by. But the good Samaritan came. He came to the very place where the dying sinner was. And he healed him. He put the oil and the wine upon him. And he rescued him. And he carried him to the inn. Well, this is a simple story. You could see the high standard of morality. The Savior as a man lived in. How he was moved in his compassion. And how he put the oil and the wine upon him. And how he rescued him and carried him to the inn. And put him to the inn, that is the church. And promised the uh, master of the inn that when he comes back, he will pay everything what he did. The picture shows you, here is one full of not only love. In Luke, it is not just a matter of love, it is a matter of morality. He lived in the highest standard of morality. Well, Francis, I'm glad we're using this story because, as uh, we pointed out before, I think people sort of thought they had an idea about this story, that the Lord presented it as an example of how we should behave, especially when we are confronted with someone who's maybe less fortunate than uh, we are or is down on their luck, as they say, uh, and we should live according to this kind of example. But the picture that's portrayed here is much, much higher than that, isn't it? My, Chris, it really is. I marvel at the way this picture has been drawn out here. Because uh, as a child, I heard this story, and I was impressed with it. And when I got a little older, I was impressed with it a little bit more mm-hmm. because I joined the Boy Scouts and learned how to help a lady across the street and all that. But this is something far beyond that. This is not just a, uh, a loving person, but this is a, a divine man, a man with divinity in him, a man that is God himself lived out through humanity. But this kind of morality is far exceeds anything we think of in the terms of being moral. Moral to us just means we're not thieves and we're not crude. Right. We're not ugly to people, and we try to do little things that would be kind. But this kind of morality is something far beyond that. It's a divine human morality. It's the divine attributes being expressed in human virtues. This has to be Christ. There's so many uh, elements and aspects of this story. When you get into the details, it points us to really the one divine person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, today, what we're trying to emphasize is that he lived uh, with these divine attributes because of being uh, the possessor of divine life, yet he lived them out in such a human way. They were uh, The expression through his human virtues of the divine life is exquisite, and that will really be the underlying theme of this whole gospel, won't it? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see that he's referring to himself in this parable as a Samaritan. Right. And that shows that he's even taking the place as a despised person by the religious people. But the highest morality is displayed here in this wonderful person who is both human and divine. 
that's a good point. As we go back here, I think uh, that will be emphasized a little bit more. This is not the detached God who is far away or one who can't be touched, but a Samaritan, as you said, those who were the dwellers in that part of the land were very much despised by the religious, the high class, and uh, looked down upon. And this was really the case. The Lord took this place when he came to us, all of the dead or dying and wounded ones. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Witness Lee. These cases are stories, no doubt. Yet you have to realize in all these cases you could see a picture showing you the high standard of the man's savior's morality. You may say, well, this is all a matter of love. But you have to realize Luke's narration intends to show us a picture of the divine trinity full of what? Full of the divine attributes shown in the human virtues. You have to realize by that time he was a man. Then in the trinity you could see not only the divine love but also a kind of human virtue. And in this human virtue, you could also see the uh, divine attributes. This is the crucial point and the point of reality in the Gospel of Luke. Why? Because this Gospel depicts a man who possesses the divine nature with all the divine attributes and the human nature with all the human virtues. You have to realize today the very Christ who lives in you is such a one. He lived outside of his disciples while he was on this earth. Such a life. A life that was a composition of all the divine attributes plus the human virtues. Such a life. He lived outside of the disciples. But after his resurrection, he lives such a life within his believers. And today, he still lives such a life within us. No more I, but Christ lives in me. Think about it. This person who is now living in us is a composition of the divine attributes and the human virtues. He lived such a life while he was on this earth. Suppose you were the one left alone, dying on the side of the way. No one would care for you. But this good Samaritan came and looked at you, and he was moved with compassion, and he did that much on you. What is that? Is that only love? It is not just a matter of love. It's a matter of the highest standard of more. I hope that we all could see this. If you would take this view and go back to Luke and read again, I believe this will become a new book. A man's savior and his salvation in the highest standard of morality. Boy, that, doesn't that whet your appetite, Francis, <laughs> to uh, get back into this book? That's right. I've read uh, Luke a few times. I don't know how many, but 
from hearing this, I am really inspired to get into this gospel. When I realized we were coming to this on these broadcasts, yeah. I wanted to get into yeah. the, the not only the verses themselves, but also in the life study itself right. to really see this afresh. He quoted uh, a passage from Galatians 2.20 here, and I was really intrigued with how this fit into what we're seeing today. Uh, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. When he was on the earth with the disciples, he was living this kind of life, this highest standard of morality, living the expression of God outside of the disciples. But following resurrection, he continues to live this life, doesn't he? That's right. Now he's living this life in us. What a marvelous thing that when we get Christ as our Savior, we not only have God's life, but we have Jesus' conduct. (laughs) We have his virtues, his morality, his living all of this wonderful life in us now that he lived when he was here on earth. It's quite wonderful we could be uh, experiencing him living now and taking him just day by day as our person. I've just recently been so much impressed with this that Christ is not only the one who gave me eternal life, but he is the eternal life, and this life is this wonderful God-man. He's the man-savior, and he's living this kind of life that he lived here on earth. He's now living in me and in us. And I just was telling the Lord on the way here today while I was driving my car, Lord, I want to drive according to you. Wow. I want you to be the one driving this car. And just spontaneously, he reminded me to fasten my seatbelt. So that's that's what he does by living this life. He really checks us. If this is really going to be me, Francis, the first thing we do is buckle our seatbelt, huh? <laughs> that's right. Francis, um, I think if we go back now and try to read this gospel the old way and look at a story like this one, it's just an example of how we should be loving and compassionate towards uh, one another. It will have a somewhat of a hollow and empty ring, won't it? Right. It's not to try to get us to imitate and to try to improve ourselves and be more kind and more loving. But there's another life in us. Yes. A life that's divine and human. Well, we mentioned this before. Uh, It will be the focus, I think, of our final portion today, and that is the Gospel of Luke doesn't reveal a distant and detached God far away in the heavens and impossible to reach, but it reveals God especially in his saving grace, Mm. being lived out of this genuine man, Jesus, with the highest standard of morality in his divine attributes being expressed through his human virtues. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In the gospel look, God was revealed in a man to save sinners by his grace. Throughout the whole book, here's a man so genuine, so moral, and so perfect, yet he reveals God in his saving grace to the fallen mankind. He didn't reveal himself. He revealed God in God's saving grace among men. The whole book impresses us with the completeness and perfection of the man's Savior, of his humanity. The more you read it, the more you could say it is a record of a man, a whole man, a complete man, a perfect man. Yet, this man reveals God in his saving grace. God is revealed 
but not just in God himself, but in a man. A man becomes God's expression. In whatever he did, in whatever he said, in whatever he worked, he was a man. A genuine man, a moral man, a complete man, a perfect man. Yet, he didn't reveal himself. He revealed God, mainly in God's saving grace. Well, Francis, he pointed out that the more we read this book, I think especially now having our eyes uh, somewhat unveiled a little bit here, the more we see the record of really a complete, perfect, genuine, real man, yet a man who revealed not himself so much as God himself in his saving grace. How does this kind of living expressed in Christ reveal not just a wonderful moral man, but the very God himself in his saving grace? No matter how good a person would be in his own morality, he could never be one with a saving grace if he were not God himself. This man is God in a man. He's a God-man. He's the man-savior. And this man is far beyond just a loving man and far beyond just a, a saving man. But he has God in him saving us by this divine power, this amazing grace, or this saving grace, as Witness Lee said. Well, I really like this term, saving grace. No matter how much a person can do for another person, he has no uh, authority or power or ability to save another one from his awful condition. But this one does. This is the man-savior who came right where we are to bind up our wounds, to pour in the oil and the wine, and to bring us to the end to take care of us and to see that we're cared for until he comes back. Yeah, and he paid all the price too, didn't he? Of course, we'll get into these points uh, when we get to this story, as we mentioned a little earlier, when we come to chapter 10, we're just really in the introductory stage of this life study. We'll get into all these points and see how marvelous it really depicts this man-savior, this divine yet genuinely human one. Yeah, you say we're getting into these things. that Just the appetizer here at the first couple of broadcasts on this are really quite inspiring and quite uh, anticipating. I think as we begin this life study, Francis, we would recommend a lot of our listeners wait till after the life study has been completed on the radio before they contact us about getting these printed messages. But uh, I think it would be even better if they were able to get them beforehand so they were uh, in these matters before we even touch them. And I think they'll open up even further in, in a marvelous way. The printed life study of Luke is available. Also, the recovery version of the New Testament, the footnotes here that accompany this gospel, give you these points in a marvelous crystal fashion. And so either of these or both together would be a, an invaluable resource if your uh, appetite has been whetted as Francis and, yeah. and mine has been. Uh, we highly recommend either of these resources for you. You can find out about them. If you'll contact us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121 in Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send us an email. Email address is just radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening today. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture, John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.